Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. This is the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we're remote tonight because our engineer has already turned into a pumpkin. So I'm I'm doing double duty tonight. So uh, anyway, so there we are. Hello, everyone. Um, we are broadcasting live right now for YouTube and Twitch and Facebook. And those of you who have a Twitch account, we do have a request. We're trying to get up to 100 followers so that we can get to uh, get started on our um, watch parties. So anybody who's got one, if you want to follow us over there, we're currently sitting at 86 and we need to get up to 100. Um, and if you want to just jump in the chat for a little bit, if we can get five people in the chat on Twitch at once, then we can check off another box on the account. So <laughs> it's it's nice to have goals, is it not? Sure. Goals are very good. <laughs> All right. Always a big fan. All right. So I'm knocking things over here. All right. So uh, we actually have, speaking of goals, we have plans. We actually have a plan for tonight, something we had figured out what we were going to talk about. So uh, it came up. During the last episode of Foreign Bodies, uh, talking about the David Cronenberg film, Dead Ringers. Mm -hmm. And Tim, you had mentioned, and Leslie did not know this, and I wasn't aware of it because I'm not a horror fan. But you had mentioned that the film we know as Dead Ringers didn't start off that way. So why don't we start there? <clears throat> sure. So the... Original title was Twins, and if you're not if you're not familiar with the story of Dead Ringers, it is a story about twins, and uh, based on a true life uh, incident where twin gynecologists were found dead in their in the home they shared, and they uh, there was a lot of mystery and speculation about the death. It inspired a book, and ultimately inspired the David Cronenberg thriller. Uh, starring Jeremy Irons and Genevieve Bougeau. And it is a really disturbing film uh, and, and extremely good. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Jeremy Irons' performance is amazing. But it was originally called Twins. Now, you, if you're not familiar with when the film came out, it came out about the same time as another film, uh, which did end up making it to the theaters called Twins. Um, which was a very different plot. That movie I saw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> starring a very tall man. Yes. And a man who's not so tall. Uh, both of whom have a lot of name recognition. And of course, it was a comedy. Uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Diane DeVito. And it is a... Um, basically, Cronenberg, the, the folks who made the comedy, went to Cronenberg and said, here's some money, can we have twins uh, as a title because he was quite content to keep it 
Uh, and but the fact is, is that Dead Ringers as a title, um, while Twins is in fact a very descriptive title, you know, you know, it's, it, and it's it's accurate. Yeah, it doesn't Dead Ring. Yeah, yeah. for 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 a film that is is. It's as much. It's it's much more of a psychological examination and and character study of two people, uh, both played by Jeremy Irons, um, than it is a straight out horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also Dead Ringers is much more evocative, and of course it means a Dead Ringer is someone who is identical. You know, if someone's a Dead Ringer for someone else. They're essentially a twin. So it. I frequently more, get mistaken for you out, out and about. Don't, I'm not sure how that look, works. You look like Tim Harvey. No, I don't. We're dead <laughs> maybe, riggers for each other, aren't we? Maybe, maybe 10, 15 years ago and there's a lot less gray in there. <laughs> Mine's white. I skipped gray. I skipped silver. I, I'm going straight to white. So, Oh, at this point, I got so much of it that... The it, it's there are times you if you look you can see like the gradations in color mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's the difference between the gray and the white <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah but it 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 prompted a thought about other uh, stories that have changed their titles and primarily we yeah. we know this uh, when movies do it but books do it as well so what I thought we'd do and we had talked about this a little bit last week was to to look at some of the different titles that have changed and whether or not this the 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 change was good or not or does it matter sure. and you know as much as we sit and talk here about story 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 the importance of a good title should not be discounted. Oh, absolutely. absolutely because, true. you know, if if you don't have the right title, you don't, it's, it's like, you know, never judge a book by its cover. Well, the cover is what gets you to pick up the book to see what it's about. So, you know, it's, it, it's all of a piece. And movie titles are the same way. Book titles are the same way. Mm-hmm. So, let us take a look. Because there are a couple of them, especially in genre circles, that are famous for having to change their titles. Uh, and, of course, Star Wars in the, in the main nowadays with social media and all of the different discussions that are bandied back and forth. But back in the day, there was some debate. Uh, this is well before... Uh, well before the internet was a thing. Well before social media was a thing. I think... Uh, MySpace wasn't even a thing yet. Revenge of the Jedi was going to be the title of the third film. And then it wasn't. And we saw, we actually got a poster. There was a poster. There was a Revenge right. of the yeah. Jedi poster. And it was a really cool looking poster. And we're like, oh, this, this, this sounds really cool. You know, because, you know, we're all sitting there wondering if Darth Vader's lied about being Luke's father. I was like, we want to find out about this. Well, okay, well, Revenge of the Jedi. This sounds like it's going to be a really good movie. And then when we got a release date and things started to roll out, suddenly it's Return of the Jedi. I'm like, wait a minute. 
What happened? Well, there's a story. Turns out, about the same time, there was this other movie that was about to be released called The Vengeance of Khan. <laughs> and Revenge of the Jedi found out about The Vengeance of Khan, and The Vengeance of Khan found out about The Revenge of the Jedi, and they both changed their titles. I don't know if it happened about the same time or not. I'm not sure which one happened first, but Revenge of the Jedi switched to Return of the Jedi, and then The Vengeance of Khan became The Wrath of Khan, of course, Star Trek II. But they're not the only ones that this has happened to. Now, those, of course, being the most famous. But you have to wonder, I, I think Return of the Jedi, in retrospect, Return of the Jedi is a much more fitting title than Revenge of the Jedi. Revenge sounds cool, but it doesn't fit the philosophy of the Jedi. And, of course, you have this double entendre with the return of Anakin Skywalker. Spoilers for a 40-year-old movie. But, um, you know, this return of his identity as part right. of this. So it's the Jedi a, is a singular as opposed to as a plural. Yeah, and it, it's a much... Well, and, you know... You have the other meaning as well with Luke Skywalker becoming a Jedi. The Jedi Order is returning because you've defeated right. the Empire. Now the Jedi are back and there's this new new potential order for things. So there's a lot of other layers of meaning in Return of the Jedi than there would be in Revenge of the Jedi. Revenge sure. of the Jedi is just, let's go kill him. And there's not much to that. It's not as nuanced and then the wrath of Khan is is it's, it actually kind of fits more the Moby Dick motif that they were going right. for. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's I don't want to say old fashioned, but it's that that classic type of sound to the title. You know, vengeance. What is vengeance? How many people know what vengeance is? You know, you don't you don't want to have a title where people have to look up a word. Right. You know? So the Wrath of Khan, I think, works a whole lot better. Plus, it's it puts Khan at the end of the title, and that, I think, puts much more weight onto it. You know, I mean, Khan was there with vengeance as well, but the Wrath of Khan, it's... In radio, little inside baseball, when, when we're coming up with... Uh, air personality names, our DJ names. One of the things that we look to in figuring all of this out is how many syllables there are. Because sure. past a certain point, the name is too long. So you either want to have a single syllable for the first name and two on the back or three, depending on the name. Or you have, you know, like Macintosh, you have three. Or you put two syllables on the front and your, and your last name is a single syllable. You only want to have a combination, you know, sum total of three or four syllables. And so the Wrath of Khan, you have two 
heavy words and it balances. Whereas you have vengeance of Khan, there's too many syllables on the front end and it, and it doesn't balance when you say it. So all of those little esoteric things make the Wrath of Khan work better. Hello, Mazerus in the chat. Welcome. It says a great title was Jurassic Park. If Sci-Fi Network had done a copycat movie, they'd have just called it Dinosaur Forest. <laughs> that that wouldn't have been the Sci-Fi Channel. That would have been the um, Asylum. The Asylum. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting when you think about about some of the names that um, have become you know, these iconic films, that, and, and we recognize the the impact of some of these films on on storytelling and just in, in film in general and beyond. Yep. Everybody comes to Rick's. Yes. This was the name of the play that Casablanca is based on. And this was the working title for much of the production. Now, Casablanca, of course, the, if you ever want to have a lot of fun, go back and look into the history of how that film was actually made. It's <laughs> fascinating because they really didn't know how the movie was ending until they shot it. Yeah. Uh, but Casablanca, I mean, it's, it's a place, it's, a, it's, it's an exotic sounding name. It's for, for the audiences of the time, it was an exotic locale. Um, and it was, you know, everybody comes to Rick's certainly is descriptive. And certainly, it is, in fact, kind of at the core of the story. Everybody does come to Rick. It's right. actually a descriptive term, you know, a descriptive sentence for the story. <laughs> but it doesn't have the impact of Casablanca. Same thing for 2001, A Space Odyssey, which was how the solar system was won for a while. Well, and it's which, based on a short story called The Sentinel. Right. Which doesn't tell you anything about what it's about. Right. And I mean, and how the solar system was won. Okay. Except that's not the movie. When you watch the film, how the solar system was won. No, no, not really. <laughs> that's not the movie we see. 2001, a space odyssey. I mean, you know, uh, the, the, there's a bit of mystery there. There's certainly this sweeping grandeur of, of the solar system, you know, how the, you know, the, the universe. Yes, the majesty of right space. There. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, although I think one of my all-time favorite, um, could we not have, thank goodness we did not do this, uh, is one of the working titles for um, the Halloween film, first Halloween and the first Friday the 13th. Um, <clears throat> would you have gone to see a film... No, let me rephrase this. Do would you imagine a film would have been an iconic horror, uh, just one of the great classics of horror, if it had the title "The Babysitter Murders"? <laughs> that was the original title for Halloween. Probably not. But even better is a long night at Camp Blood. Ooh, now see, that one's kind of intriguing. That would have been Friday the 13th. Now, I think A Long Night at Camp Blood would have worked pretty well as a novel title or a video game title. It could, use, it, it could work for a short story as well. Mm, yeah, or, or, or even a comic book. But I would say that 
for for a horror film, it's a little unwieldy. Yeah, um, and it, and it doesn't really doesn't give you quite the punch that you really want for you know, especially for a slasher movie, really. Um, that, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. It, some of them are fairly obvious, but of course, one of the great classics that a lot of science fiction horror fans will know is we almost got a film called Star Beast, mm-hmm. uh, which that what that wasn't the original the original title was it because there was a the wasn't wasn't it called Star Crash at one point or am I thinking of, um, of a different one? I think you're thinking of a different one, although I can't say. So one of the fun things about all of these great s- stories that we hear about the titles is that we oftentimes will hear about... Or Dark Star. Uh, Dark Star. Well, Dark Star was um, O'Bannon and Carpenter's science fiction film. Right. And, uh, but yeah, so st- we'll hear about these different these different names and recognize you know you have to recognize that these are the ones we just the just the ones we know about as opposed because a lot of films will go through multiple film titles before they actually settle on something and uh, uh but yeah star beast was the original title for alien and can you imagine star beast 2 star beast <laughs> 3 well the star beast franchise then like, you could do star beast the swarm. Oh, just there's. Oh, that would have been that would have been aliens. Yeah, Starbeast, Starbeast, the swarm. Yeah. Or then the hive, and mm, then sure you could do things the like that. Colony. Oh, but I am. Uh, <laughs> and then, but yeah, that's also you know it's an example of of finding stumbling across a word you know just like uh, Return of the Jedi is alien works both as a singular as as uh or as a, as a, as a singular thing mm-hmm. or as a uh the concept of the other right uh and you know it's it's both descriptive as something that um this is something that is alien to us so it's you know it's humanity versus the outer universe i mean there's lots of different ways to play with it and it also has that just um Sometimes you get with these like shorter titles, these like one word or two word titles, they stick in your consciousness. Um, another example is Soylent Green. The novel is called Make Room, Make Room. And it's about overpopulation. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Soylent Green is people. I know it's a terrible shock, but it's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, you have these... The the and it and as a novel title that works really really well. I mean, it it's a, what it's about, yeah. and it and in fact it hides the reveal. In you know the title doesn't give it doesn't doesn't draw attention to the fact, but with the film, uh, and the differences between the film and the book, and the focus has shifted a little bit. Uh, and that ends up being a really really effective title that one has to wonder. Would it have would make room make room have had the same impact? You know, Soylent Green, Soylent Green is people. I mean, it's there's something you know there's something <laughs> to that, and yeah. you know there's 
one of those alternate universes where Make Room, Make Room was the title. Yeah. Mindy is suggesting Soylent Green, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner as, a, as an alternate title there. Uh, Mazer says working title of Jedi was Blue Harvest, intentionally vague. Was Blue Har- was Jedi Blue Harvest? I know I remember one of them was. I, I think that's right. I think uh, that's right. And it's we even see, you know, nowadays with working titles, I mean Solo's working title was Red Cup. Well, so you, I mean there's you do that to disguise we don't we don't want anybody to know we're here type of thing. Oh, it's a I Star mean, Wars movie time that's six spoilers. times more expensive. Um, well, and the other one you talk about, you know, Soylent Green and and the book it's based on. Then you have I Am Legend, which is, d- is the same kind of thing because you have some movies based on that book that keep the title, and some that don't. And I'm wondering which one, do- which one does the title work better? Okay, well, there's three major adaptations. There's actually four, but we're not going to count the Asylum one. Because <laughs> it's not really good adaptation. No. Nope. But we've got um, The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Yep. Which is a fairly faithful adaptation overall. Um, although you, it's really, really hard for people. It's, the bigger problem is that it's kind of... Vincent Price, as wonderfully as he is in the film, and he's wonderful as he always is, he's miscast. He's just the wrong person to play this role. I don't ever think of Vincent Price as a heroic protagonist type of character. Actor. Right. It just, it's, it's not. He, he built himself a, a place in our consciousness for the kind of parts he plays. And mm. that's just not him. Yeah. Um, and then there was the Omega Man, which was Charlton Heston. And this was much more of an action picture. And then the novel is... There's lots of action in the no- in the novel, but it is not an action picture story. Mm. There's so, so much of the novel is internal, which is hard to bring to the screen. Fair enough. Oh yeah. And then Will Smith's "I Am Legend," which gets the first half of that film, is really really fantastic. I mean, it's a it's a you know you just the if you're watching the first half of that movie and you're a fan of the novel, you're going, oh. Oh, this is this has got mood. It's got tension. It's got isolation. And oh, wait, never mind. And you're in the second half of the film <laughs> where, it, where it loses its way. Uh, I'm afraid. Yeah. But spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, it's entertaining, but it's not a great adaptation of the book. And the ending, it, the ending of the film. Um, there's two endings. There's an ending on the. You can find the ending on the Blu-ray, which is closer in tone to the ending of the novel. Mm-hmm. But it still also misses the point. The closest ending you're going to get is the the Vincent Price Last Man on Earth. But when it comes to the titles, um, they're all about being, you know, last, last. Yeah. And so there's the they they kind of get that right, but at the same time, um, they don't. Although it just comes down to the how the they 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 never quite capture the ending. Yeah. Although I. <laughs> I am legend doesn't necessarily in, in in evoke the thoughts of last. Just you know, it's kind of like one. It's it's you know, um, anytime I hear I am legend, one of the things that I think of is um, the poem uh, Ozymandias. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, you know, this is this is this is my story, believe it or not, type of thing. Whether where it's it doesn't immediately say we're talking about the last person on earth. Where Omega Man does, the last man on earth, you know, explicitly does. Um, but I am legend as as much as, as it's a cool title doesn't say anything about what the story is about. True, but Darren, you also run into the problem that in the case of the two more popular and well-known, because it turns out uh, Last Man on Earth, the Vincent Price one, is the least well-known of the three adaptations. Mm -hmm. Um, People get surprised. What, there was one before Omega Man? Yes. Yes, there was, and the fact is, is that the the, the both Omega Man and um, the I am the film called I Am Legend both completely miss the point of the ending of the novel. Yeah. They take the story in a completely different direction uh, because spoiler alert for a seventy-year-old novel now. Good lord. Um, is that <clears throat> humanity is done. We're gone. The vampires have taken over, but they are not the monsters that we paint them as. There was a period where that's, you know, of, of chaos and, and, but now that they're, the, the world has moved on and that's, that's what humanity has become. Yeah. And the last monster in the world is the guy who haunts the day, killing them in their sleep. And that's our hero. So I am legend is I've become the monster. I've become the creature in the night. I've become the boogeyman. Yeah. I am the legend that terrifies them. And uh, spoiler alert for the novel. He, uh, he's executed. I mean, this is, he's, this is, he's, he's telling his story essentially as, as he's getting, going off to die. Because they caught him, and you you kill your monsters, and I mean it's it's a they they dance up to the edge of it a little bit in the alternate ending for the Will Smith film, but even there they don't take it all the way. And you the ending the, the Vincent Price film actually goes there more or less. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. one of those films, and it's a, it's an iconic. Uh, post-apocalyptic novel. It's like an iconic vampire novel. It's an iconic survival novel, yeah. um, which has one one day we'll get an adaptation of it that actually sits there and you know really leans into it, hits you well, where it's supposed to hit you. Robert mentions here in the chat, and hello, Robert, good to see you here. Uh, Buck Rogers did a weird monster take on I Am Legend too. In early episode of Buck Rogers, he visits a city overtaken by zombies, never mentioned again. I don't remember that episode, but it does prompt uh, a discussion about Buck Rogers in the 25th century because mm. that was not the original title of the story. Right. Uh, Philip Francis Nolan wrote a book called Armageddon 2419 AD. It was 2419-2491. I always get that mixed up. 2419 AD about Buck Rogers... And then um, uh, it was adapted by John Dilley 
for a newspaper strip. And talking with, uh, talking with Dilly's grandson, who now is one of the people that's, that's running things over there, originally the newspaper strip adapted the book. And it didn't do well. It didn't go over well. But then they changed it. They changed the title to Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, and they made it more adventure and space and Flash sure. gordon and stuff. And it took off. And Buck Rogers in the 25th Century has been what it's called ever since. And there's significant departures from the original book in, in all of that. And... It's um, it's interesting to see the trajectory of that because Buck Rogers in the 20th century sounds like an adventure, whereas Armageddon 2419 AD sounds like some kind of historical tome that you're going to have to study for the test. Right. So <laughs> you know it's one of those. Yes, Robert. Okay, I do I do remember that when he goes when he goes out to old Chicago. I get it. I I, I remember that now. That was in the pilot. Early, early episode. So, um, but yeah, uh, that Buck Rogers is another one. And you look at, you know, Star Wars, which you know, George Lucas wanted to do the Flash Gordon Buck Rogers type of film with that. Right. And the Star Wars from the adventures of Luke Starkiller doesn't quite go as well. The Star Wars, I think, I think that would have, we would have still ended up where we are today in terms of, of its impact. Um, but I can't, every time I hear that, I keep thinking, what is it? Metal Storm, the legend of, <laughs> was it Jared Sin or whatever it was? Uh, I don't remember that um, one. It just, it's such an unwieldy title. It's just so, it's like, okay, really, there's only certain films that require that you actually have a semicolon in the title. Okay. And, <laughs> and if that's the question you always have to ask yourself is if you need a semicolon in your title, is your title too long? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, Star Trek Two: the wrath of Khan. Okay. That, that, that's the exception that proves the rule. But, but, it's, but see, yeah, Star Trek Two doesn't have a, a semicolon though. I mean, I can get you. I can get behind you have a you have a colon after the Roman numeral because here's the title. Here's the other title, the subtitle. Right, right. Well, it's it's the title within the series. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Star Trek Two. The name of the film is The Wrath of Khan. It is Star Trek Two. The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> but second, you look at the second in the Star Trek film. Yeah, but now you go back and you look at Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And it's just as cumbersome as the Star Wars from the adventures of Luke Scar Starkiller. I mean, yeah, it's but just, nobody calls it that. Everyone calls it the Empire Strikes Back. Right. They don't call it Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back. The Star Wars is silent. Well, see, the thing <laughs> is, though, with, with Empire Strikes Back, it wasn't marketed as Episode Five. I mean, Star Wars, when we went and saw it, it was Star Wars. And then you had The Empire Strikes Back. And when The Empire Strikes Back, the crawl, the roll-up says, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. And everyone went, huh, what? Wait, what? What did we miss? And then Return of the Jedi, they were all marketed 
with those titles. They weren't marketed under the episode right. titles until we get to the special editions and past that. But then episode numbers were dropped for the sequel trilogy. So you had Star Wars The Force Awakens as opposed to Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Right. It can, it can, it can sometimes work against you when you're doing it that way, when you're, when you're trying to, because retroactively Star Wars became Star Wars episode four, a new hope to go in line. And we saw that with, with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. you know, because you had Indiana Jones, and the temple of doom, Indiana Jones and the last crusade. And then retroactively it became Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I, it, it doesn't work as well right. because it's tacked on. It wasn't the original plan. If you were going to do that, you'd say Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark or, you know, and the Lost Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Covenant or something like that. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a secret what he was looking for. So you're not giving right. away anything in the title. Right. So Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant, that, that could work for me. Well, and so... I think some of it comes out of the fact that none of these things were actually designed to be the first in a series. They made the movie. They hoped it would do well. Yeah. They thought a sequel would be cool. Making a sequel would be cool. And consequently, they're sort of retrofitting these things to, to fit into, you know, whatever kind of, you know, you come to know that Raiders of the Lost Ark you don't need Indiana Jones there because it tells you what the film is about. Mm -hmm. But then once it becomes three films or four films or five films or whatever in the series, you said the, you know, it's not the Raiders of the Lost Ark series because the second film is about, isn't about raiding Lost Arks. Right. And the third film isn't about raiding Lost Arks. So it's, it's well, Indiana Jones. Plus so. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom goes back to that serial format, you know, Buck Rayo, Flash Gordon, uh, you know, Flash Gordon conquers the universe, you know, Flash Gordon and the warlords of Mars, you know, those kind of things where you have that serial format to the title. Hello, Curtis in the chat. He's telling, uh, he's telling Tim he kept his promise. Did he, uh, did he make a promise to you, sir? He did. He did. He promised to show up and give us trouble. No, that wasn't the promise, <laughs> but I'm sure uh, we welcome, welcome Curtis and feel free to give us trouble. Um. <laughs> well, in the other serial, the other serialized stuff, uh, you look at John Carter mm -hmm. as another example of a title being changed because it was John Carter of Mars, and it, was, it should well, it was worse than that. It's no, no. We go, mm, go. You got to go back. It's a Princess of Mars. Yes, the book is a Princess of Mars, which still works and because if honestly, you're going to do a Princess of Mars. That title would work just as well as John Carter of Mars. Quite frankly, um, if you had, because because the film really, although of course John Carter is the main character, uh, Deja Thoris, the princess in question, uh, has a lot of screen time. She's a character in her own right. Yeah, and she's not just the the hanger on, you know, damsel in distress that you can get in some films, and so. Well, she's kind of the driving force behind John Carter deciding to stay on Mars. I mean, they exactly. keep the whole, so, I mean, the whole reason he gets involved in everything. Quite frankly, it's an example of a, a 
title that could have marketed well to um, folks inside and outside science fiction. And again, we come back yeah. to you. You may have noticed on the show before, folks. We've talked about John Carter before, <laughs> um, but it also comes back to you know not only did that uh, you could have used that and then built on the fact that this story, this novel with this title, A Princess of Mars, was one of the the stories that shaped what we think of as modern science fiction. Yeah. So consequently, again, marketing the fact that this was the inspiration for, you know, we wouldn't have had Star Wars without a Princess of Mars. We wouldn't there have is, had Star Wars without, or, or you know, Star Trek was, in, you know, all this stuff has influenced yeah. us. There was, when, when the trailers and all of the marketing were out for this before the movie dropped, and there was all sorts of chatter online about how terrible the marketing was. Somebody put together a fan trailer mm. using the existing footage that we had from the from the trailers that were out already and had put this thing together and basically did just that, you know, mm -hmm. before there was Luke Skywalker, before there was James Kirk, before there was Indiana Jones and Superman, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, there was John Carter and establishes the legacy of the character and mm -hmm. the influence it had that story had that so that whole Barsoom series had over everything else. I mean, John Carter is leaping over tall mountains in a single bound. I mean, that's that's Superman. You know, he's an alien on another world, and he's you know he's getting involved in the middle of this of, of this conflict that he doesn't really have any any investment in until he meets the girl, and. When they dropped Mars from the title of the of the movie, John Carter of Mars, the reasoning for that, the, I've, I've recommended this before. I highly recommend this book, John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood, because it goes through all of the details of all of the different attempts to adapt A Princess of Mars for film, not just the one that we got, but all of them, because there's a, there's a long history of Hollywood trying to get John Carter right, and it never works. And we finally get this movie, and there were two other films prior to John Carter that both had Mars in the title. One of them was Mars Needs Moms, which was that animated picture that nobody saw. And then right. there was another one. I can't remember what the name of it was, but there, was, there were these two other Mars pictures. And they didn't do well. And so Hollywood, of course, being Hollywood, learned the wrong lesson. They said, well, movies with the name Mars in it don't do well. So let's take Mars out of John Carter of Mars. And so now John Carter, wait a minute, John Carter, that's the doctor on ER. What are we making a movie about him for? No, is Noah Wiley in this? So there's confusion now because you've got to, you've got to, and that was the one thing when, when he showed up, on the show, when Noah Wiley first appeared on the show on ER on NBC, this is a this is a TV show that's set in a hospital, and he's a new doctor, and his name is Carter, and oh by the way, his first name is John. I thought, oh hey, John Carter, that's kind of neat. But you flip it the other way, and you see this movie that's set on Mars. 
And why is why is Dr. John Carter going to Mars? You know, there's that confusion. I'm like, no, no, no. See, no, here's no. where the here's where they failed. If they had cast Noah Wiley in the lead, <laughs> you, you know, get the I crossover think it's still, it still could have worked. I think he, he might have been able to do it. Potentially. Well, see, I mean, because potentially. you look at how he did with the librarian. Yeah, I, he I, can I, handle I, action. I, I think it's 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 an it's an example. So most of the time, when you talk about the the films uh, changing the title from the book or or the script originally having a, a different title, you're looking at something that more, more often than not is an improvement. That's an example of where it definitely goes the other way. I mean, yeah. there are and sometimes you hear about a previous, you know, a, an earlier version of a title. You think, oh, that would have been a better title. But most of the time, you're looking at stuff that is actually a better version. It, it doesn't, it isn't as unwieldy um, or, you know, it, it somehow manages to fit things better. And a lot of times that comes in because you've got a good publisher or good editor who sits there and says, yeah, so um, perhaps not, you know, that's just <clears throat> this, this, you know, Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace was originally called All's Well That Ends Well. <laughs> okay. Which one speaks to which, which one is got, you know, is, is a more epic novel title. Yeah. Um, All's Well That Ends Well is a Shakespeare play. Um, it's not, but I'm, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you're looking at things where sometimes this stuff just really works in its favor. But yeah, John Carter, it's just, it's always a whole lot of deep sigh and thinking of the, the, how, what you could have actually gotten with that. But yeah. Well, and, and the other part of that too, I mean, you look at, um, Movies that are based on books, you talk about, you know, movies that change their stories, Edge of Tomorrow being one of them, but also The Wizard of Oz, even, Mm -hmm. because the book is called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and the movie is just The Wizard of Oz. It's it's simplified, um, but it also is like one of those, um, one of those things where uh, you change the title, why? What 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 purpose does it serve to take wonderful out? Except the wonderful Wizard of Oz kind of gives a piece of it away. Because when she drops in on Oz, things are not wonderful. She's just killed a witch. She's lost. She's not home. She doesn't know how she's gonna get back. It's not wonderful. So maybe that's why they took it out. I don't know. It's just one of those well, things. Well, and you, I guess. you can look at some other things. Like um, if you look at sometimes you'll run. It, and sometimes it's from country to country, even mm-hmm. in the same language. So as you may recall, um, there was this little film called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. But that was the U.S. title for the book. Uh, the title in the UK when it was published was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes. And the reason they changed the title from the UK to the US is that US publishers said Americans don't know what the Philosopher's Stone is. Yeah. 
And um, so that's a little bit wrong, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it, it's how these things work and they think about the marketing stuff like that. It's, you know, um, and sometimes it, sometimes it makes no difference whatsoever. I mean, quite frankly, I think that the title wouldn't have changed anything for that particular book. No. I mean, it would have said it still would have had the impact that it had. But you can see how this stuff, you know, you look at different markets. Um, the Avengers movie uh, here in the U.S., of course, was called The Avengers. Yeah. In the U.K., it was called Avengers Assemble. Because the U.K. sits there and goes, we already have a series called The Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ours, ours dress better. <laughs> you know, I mean, and they have tea. And okay, you know, part of me wants the John Steed, Tony Stark, one on one because Tony's got the Iron Man suit, uh-huh. but John Steed, Steed has that umbrella and his cutting wit. <laughs> I well, think it's probably you, a fair a fair match. You could make a case. That John Steed could lead a, a, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type of group called the Avengers. And they could be various different hero types from about that time. Well, what you would do is you would have Danger Man, who of course would be bitter and broken down because he spent time in the village as the prisoner. Mm-hmm. And of course they'd have the anthropomorphic anthropomorphic mouse danger mouse oh sure 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 uh and uh yeah i mean and their headquarters would be on danger island sure 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 (laughs) i'm all on board with this mashup here i like this yeah yeah, this could be fun yeah it's um it's always interesting uh and just an example for those of you just to give you a perspective how how this goes back a ways. This is not a new thing, right? Um, Dennis the Menace. There's a stiff... What, what Americans think of Dennis the Menace, there's a separate character called Dennis the Menace in the UK. They have nothing in common, except they both have the name... They're both children named Dennis who are menaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure one of them is a ripoff of the other one. That's how... They both came out around at the same time. Sure. So when the Dennis the Menace movie comes out in the UK, it was just like, Dennis. That's it. <laughs> Chopped off the menace. It's like, <laughs> that's not who it is. That's not, that's not Dennis the Menace. What's wrong, yeah. with you? What's wrong with you silly Americans? <laughs> well, and there was that whole thing about um, Harry Potter appearing to be a ripoff of a character but from Neil Gaiman. Well, yeah, because uh, um, Tim Hunter, the, the character from the Books of Magic, uh, came out first. But... As, as Neil Gaiman pointed out at the time and has pointed out since, um, he wasn't the first one to take, basically go, and here is the chosen one. Yeah. Here's the child who will grow up to be the most powerful dot, dot, dot in the land, the, the king, the wizard, the whatever it is. Um, but uh, I'm still waiting for my, my gritty HBO Max adaptation of Books of Magic because... 
give me four and a half hours of the Snyder cut. Give me six to eight hours of, of the books of magic folks. Come on. <laughs> well, and I saw the other day, uh, what was it? Um, cause we got the four hour Snyder cut. Uh, and I think, uh, what did I see? Peter Jackson was going to do his extended version of Lord of the Rings. It was going to last two days. <laughs> Doesn't it already last? Oh, wait, no, that's, that's me watching all the extras on yeah. the, on the DVD set. Cause, um, you know, uh, uh, Saturday, we talked uh, on, on a Good Morning Multiverse. We talked about a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff coming out with a lot of great extras. Um, I remember watching the when I got all of the Blu-rays, the DVDs at the time for the Lord of the Rings films, just sitting there and literally taking days yeah. to watch all the extras and going, "This is worth every penny." <laughs> I have. Yes. Yep. So much content. Mazur says, I saw the Snyder Cut. Did anyone catch the reference to John Borman's Excalibur in it? I missed that. Where where was that? I missed that reference. Hmm. Um, well, let's see. Anytime, anytime that uh, um, Wonder Woman... Wonder Woman's sword was like flying through the air and... <laughs> The flash running up to, to put touch his finger to it. I, that's the closest I can come to. I don't know. I, uh, well, I'm curious to see what Mazur says where that is. That I, I did not. I didn't put anything together on that. Um, oh, when the Kryptonian computer says the future has taken root in the present, as Superman is jolted back to life. Hmm. Is that I? Okay. I didn't catch that. I did not either. Interesting. It's all connected. Yeah, but there's there's definitely there's definitely films I think that would not have been the same. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one mm -hmm. of the iconic. I mean, and, and an incredibly descriptive title. Yeah. I mean, you know what you know what the film's about. Hey, you know, down in Texas, there was this, <laughs> there was this massacre, and there was a chainsaw involved. You you get a sense of it. Um, <clears throat> At one point, it was going to be called Head Cheese. But of course. <laughs> and then it was almost called Leatherface, which is better. Yeah. But, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everything you need to know is there. And in many ways, it was a, it was a title that did so much heavy lifting what your expectations were that the uh, some of the, the the marketing was taken care of for you mm -hmm. because people were there were people who were automatically just like this is going to be a horrible movie it's it's chainsaws and massacres yeah. and if you've ever seen the film you know that the level of violence in the texas chain what you actually see on the screen your brain fills in a lot of holes that you're not actually seeing that. Right. And so it's, it's one of those things where, and this, of course, it was a low budget horror film. Nobody, nobody was thinking about this at the time, but the fact that they actually went with that helped drive the success of the film in a very real way, um, which is something that when that comes together, it's, you know, well, it, it's, it's like Jaws. You know, you don't see the shark because it didn't work. 
then you know the mechanical shark Bruce broke down more often than than he actually functioned. Right. But as a direct result of that, you don't see the shark as much in the movie. So it builds that tension. It builds that anticipation because you never know where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it adds to the it adds to the overall effect because your brain your your imagination fills in those gaps. It's like Hitchcock keeps talking about, you know, where you where you know the audience can scare themselves much more efficiently than anything I can put up on screen. And right. you know, it, it, there is there is something to that. The psychology of the suggestion is much more powerful in some cases right. than the overt here it is in your face. Ooh, scary boogeyman. Oh, no question. Yeah. I think that you look at that's that's one of the things that that Carpenter understood extremely well in the first Halloween film, um, and the the recurring use of letting the tension build um, worked the audience up to the point that when you get these little quick moments of violence um, and there's, again, it's another example of a film where while there are violent moments, there are fewer than you think there are. Mm -hmm. And it's basically because it's worked the audience into that point where You know they're ready to jump at the first the first thing, and you just ratchet it a little bit more, and you grin evilly, and you ratchet it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, now there are examples of of, of uh, versions of scripts that were were had titles that were very different from the finished version for very good reasons. Um, the original version, and it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Although it was kind of ahead of its time in terms of being a superhero film and playing with deconstruction, Hancock, Hancock. the Will Smith film, um, the original title, uh, Tonight He Comes, makes no sense. Does have an, uh, huh? Makes no sense in the, if you don't know anything about it. Right. We're like, if you do know anything about it, it's a sexual pun. It's, it's a sex joke. Yeah. And so you're looking at a very different movie here if that's, you know, because, I mean, it's, and, and it fits into this, to the concept of what the story is. But by the time you get to casting Will Smith and all these things, you've changed the movie so much from what it was going to originally be. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you look at it and go. Well, that original title could be the Axel Braun version. You know, considering what we actually got with Hancock and you look at it and think of the potential of what it could have done from from just the premise of the story, yeah. you have to wonder if they had just stuck with the original film and just made it as it would have been it would have been a controversial movie. I mean, there's just no question about it. Um, but if they had just gone with that, they might have actually had a better story. Well, I don't know, but I'm well, just, see, you know, the other, the other I, Hancock's part of it, a though, disappointment. But see, the thing about it is, though, Hancock comes out and starts deconstructing superheroes before we were deconstructing everything. Right. And right. so that I think that's one of the reasons why it doesn't work and why it didn't go over well with the audience is because you're expecting, you know, you, you get a, a character with powers and doesn't want to use them, doesn't want to get involved, doesn't want to help anybody, just, you know, all everything, everything is turned on its ear. Mm-hmm. And the audience doesn't respond to that. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why it's like, well, this isn't a superhero film. Not what I was expecting. And so you don't get the repeat performance. Right. Uh, It's like like the last action hero, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, here's here's a film that, quite frankly, U2 built its back on the commentary um, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't have channels like um, uh, oh God, uh, half the movie channels on on YouTube if you didn't because the deconstruction of the of the genre mm-hmm. of the action films, um, you know, cinema sins cinema sins would not exist without the last action hero. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's that's it's the baseline for it, right? It's yeah. looking at it's looking at this entire genre and going, aha. But think about it, and well, I mean, know. even even on the other end of that, how it should have ended, Screen Junkies, uh, Red Letter Media, any of those guys that did any kind of of deep analysis or pull it apart or you know look at it from a different skewed perspective or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, this is also my little plug to say that if you haven't watched Last, Last Action Hero in a while, it ages pretty well Does when it? you consider all of this when yeah. you consider how we've come to look at stuff. Um, I, I wish I could say the same thing for Hudson Hawk. I was, I was like one of the, like the five <laughs> people on the planet who actually defended that film when it came out. Um, it's got a really, really terrible and awful uh, space shuttle joke in there, mm. but I laughed so hard in the theater. I still feel bad about it. Um, it was very clever, but it was very wrong. So um, yeah, it doesn't have the same, uh, doesn't hold up as well. <laughs> it didn't me, hold up well to begin with. Let me ask you this. Let me circle back to Indiana Jones for a second. Yeah. Would the character be as iconic, do you think, if they had gone with his original name of Smith? Was it Montana Smith? Indiana Indiana Smith? I don't remember. Smith um, was the last name. I, that didn't quite... That doesn't quite work as well. Well, I would say that it probably would have because of the performance and the story, Mm. right? If the only thing you changed was the last name of Indiana's character, yeah, everything else remained the same. Um, And I think part of that comes out of the fact that Smith and Jones are those names you know, they're kind of, mm-hmm. they're the generic names. Yeah. It's like, hi, what's your name? My there, name is there was even a John, TV show John Smith. It. And you look, at, you look at them and go, no, it's not. That's not your real name. You know, <laughs> my name is, is Jeff Jones. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at alias Smith and Jones. I wonder how much that had to do with it. Well, yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's become this kind of, um, they're like placeholder names. No. To, to you know, they're they're so common. It's, well, they're they're the Xerox and Kleenex of the naming world. I mean, they're they're so common that that they've become. And I think it would work. I think it would have worked. Now, if he had just been Henry, yeah, it still would have worked. Not as much. Henry, Henry Jones. Henry Jones Jr. <laughs> but then we're looking at the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And that's right. a different show. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and, and, you know, you go back to, 
the the titles of of stories you 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 look at I am legend you look at uh, some of the others where the the book title uh, the book title is different from the movie title um, and it's it's like they always do it to the to the stories from Philip K Dick you know we can remember it for you wholesale becomes total recall do androids dream of electric sheep becomes Blade Runner. And and Blade Runner, you know, who's going to go see a movie about electric sheep? You know, Blade Runner sounds cool, but it's mm-hmm. you watch the movie and it's not the action picture that you expect from the title Blade Runner. You know, right. it, it it evokes that emotion, that tone of what this thing's going to be. And that's not what you get, but nobody is going to go see do androids dream of electric sheep. I mean, hardly anybody went and saw blade runner. Right. There's that too. Well, and you, and you look at something like the thing, right? Here's the, you know, here's the, the, and, and it certainly wasn't just the carpenter one because it was also renamed because the original novella is called who goes there, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's it's a it's a novel, and certainly a, the film, the, the the Carpenter film, is a film about paranoia. So, who goes there is actually a really great title. Yeah, but you get into the the um, the Arnett's version, the thing that uh, fell to Earth. Yeah, you know, the thing from another Earth, which of course is it tells you exactly. It, this is the what the film is about. It is about the thing from another. You know. Um, but see, you, but get, you get you get a you get a title change even then because the thing from another Earth becomes the thing, right? And it's not you still are expecting it to be you know you know it's a remake of the movie you're expecting it to be a this this monster movie, but you don't know what it looks like, you don't know what right. to expect. The shape even then once you that. get that name, it's like because the because there's no there's no way to describe. The thing yeah. in the thing. It's a it's an and eldritch. So the horror. thing is a you know it's like it's the the thing you know it's it's it, the, it, it's, it, it's, it's such a great simple title undescribable. So yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting how that can work sometimes. But yeah. there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with the title. Who goes there? Except that to me sounds more like a film noir mystery type. So you know, it, yeah, it leans, into the, it leans into the mystery aspect, but also bear in mind that there is a mystery. There's a mystery story at the core of sure, the thing. Now sure. it plays a little. It plays out a little bit more like a. And then there were none who done it in mm-hmm. the novella. Yeah, but there's also a lot more characters in the novella than there are in either of the film versions uh, where they really whittled down the cast right. uh, to have a smaller number of people that you had to, to, to deal with on screen. And most of the, ex, most of the extra characters in the novella were just like, and that's his name. And then he died. And yeah. Oh, that's that, that guy over there. I know he's dead too. You know, they don't, they didn't have any character weight to him. So, yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, I think works pretty well because you know, you're in an asylum there's the there's that aspect of things. Um, I've never seen a Clockwork Orange. I have to admit, um, it just never that's an, never mm. it, it just never appealed to me. I just yeah, okay, that's it's a thing. It it's it, it exists. 
So that's, that's an example of the Burgess novel, um, and and the the he writes the novel and they make the film, and he apologizes. <laughs> he apologizes for writing the novel. <laughs> really, because the the not the impact and how people took to the film and then to the novel was not what he intended. Mm. And so he's like, it's not really what I wanted. I mean, and, and he, he wasn't, he was not thrilled with how Kubrick had treated vi- Well, they, how violence is treated and the message of a clockwork orange uh, versus what he was intending to do with the novel. Just don't mesh. Yeah. And so he was just like, I, mm, this, this was not the plan. Uh, <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. And, but it's an example of um, I, I, the film. The film is one of those films where I can really recognize how much, how good it is. And yet I'm not a huge, huge fan of it. Yeah. Um. It's it's technically the performances are great, but it's also a film that I think legitimately sets out to make you uncomfortable, and it succeeds. Oh sure, yeah, <clears throat> I can see that. Uh, Mazer suggests Apocalypse Now, and you know you 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 stop and consider that it's based on a Heart of Darkness from from Conrad, which I read that book once. I did not like that book. We had to read that book. That's one of those that you that you get it in your English class and you read it and you I did not enjoy reading it while I was reading it and I was glad I was done when I was done. It it's not it's not an enjoyable book for me. But Apocalypse Now, of course, this big blockbuster hit that's that loosely based on it. Um, but it does give us Zompocalypse now. So there is that. Well, I think that uh, Heart of Darkness is one of those stories that you end up with. You know, it, it had an impact on literature, <clears throat> which is why we study these books. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it necessarily is an enjoyable read or necessarily speaks to a modern audience. Moby Dick is an example of that. Oh, I mean, I it's um, you can look at uh, uh, Les Miserables. The, if you're if you if you're only familiar with the musical mm. uh, or the movie, and you go back and you try and read the um, unedited or the. Uh, uh, <laughs> The I've, full version. Most I've of the time, most that. most people, if they're actually reading the Les Miserables, they're actually reading like the they've cut out all the politics mm-hmm. because it is it's a political treatise as well as a story, and yeah. so you're looking at this much. You know, you're looking at an inch of plot and four inches of book. I've I've read that, and I remember reading, and I can't remember which one that I read first. But you look at Les Mis and you look at The Count of Monte Cristo, and they're essentially the exact same story. There's, there's something to that. The beats are all the same. You know, you have, you have the guy who escapes prison and gets a new identity and becomes this successful 
thing and you know guy and then and then the cops come after him and it was like i've read this story before i think now i think it was i think i read Les Mis first and then i read count of money cristo and i think the count of money they cristo have does very it different solutions to their problem i know however. i know but jean valjean does not go on a roaring rampage of revenge but the 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 spine of that you know oh, the yeah. setup of it, the whole the whole, the well, the beats of it, it and I th- I th- I enjoyed the Count of Monte Cristo better than I did Limits. But they're also they're also writing about similar periods of time. Yeah, where the 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 fact that if you had gone to jail for the even even for this you know literally for stealing a loaf of bread, um, or or you were falsely imprisoned or whatever it was. Once you left, you were forever tarred a criminal. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the, you could have these, you know, redemption stories that you were not trapped in this cycle of where you were born into the station, you know, your, your lot in life was not a fixed thing. Yeah. This was something that was, was playing out in a lot of storytelling uh, across that time period. Great because, expectations. I'm sorry? Great expectations did it. Yeah, and you you end up looking at, at a world where, you know, what what you've what happened what has happened to you does not define who you are, and mm-hmm. you can build a new life. and And if you are unjustly imprisoned, you can get a kind of justice. If you are, you know, if you are pursued by someone for the mi- a minor crime, you can still end up being a hero. And of course, you have the climactic scene where. Jean Valjean rescues Javert. Mm. You know, he saves his life. Um, you know, it, it, it flips. You know, there's, there's, these are big ideas at a time when the world was, you know, this, this was society. I mean, this is like, you know, oh, you're poor, you're always going to be poor. Yeah. You know, you're a criminal, you're always be a criminal. Like, well, well really? <laughs> that, those are my options? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Robert makes a good point there about Clockwork Orange, the 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 ending not being the same when it was printed in, in the U.S. Apparently, he's saying here that the, the U.S., the printer, didn't print the last chapter of the book. Right. Which shows the the guy settling down and, and living a normal life, which does change. You talk about, you know, flipping the ending there. That really does change everything out of it i'm wondering if mm-hmm. maybe that's that's part of you know why burgess sits there and goes that's not exactly what i had in mind right you, pretty much you yeah. don't have the Whatever ending the ending the ending of the film and the ending of the book are are very different yeah well and the ending of our show has come upon us see what i did there uh and we we pretty much got through most of my list so um, I'm sure that there are others out there. Oh, there are. Uh, yeah. You know, E.T. the Extraterrestrial being one of them. It was originally called A Boy's Life, which... I can highly recommend the novel A Boy's Life by Robert McCameron, mm-hmm. um, but it's not uh, It's not a boy and his extraterrestrial. <laughs> no. Well, you have a boy and his dog. Which is... That's uh, a completely different story. But it's it's a boy and his dog is the name of the story and the name of the film, and um, I actually can recommend both of them. Yeah. All right. So tomorrow, that's going to do it for us tonight. Tomorrow, let me see where is it? Where is it? 
Mm-hmm. I've got to. I I uh, I neglected to reset some of the stuff from when we resized everything for four three last week. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, okay. So tomorrow night, we've got a brand new Salacious Crumbs, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, and we're going to have all of the latest uh, Star Wars news, and then we will also discuss same over on the Ranker Pit, not Friday, Thursday. Uh, that's supposed to say Thursday there. Let me fix that real quick so nobody is, uh, nobody is confused. Thursday night, 9 p.m., 8 Central, this, this week... Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a different scenario, a different discussion. We're going to have some action figure photographers oh. in in the in the discussion with us, talking about all of their different things, what they do with you know the black series and the figures and the and the the Boba Fats and the stormtroopers and the lightsabers and here's the fake tree and this panel back here and this little light and this little light. They've got some really cool photography. So we're going to kind of ease back away from all the controversy and the drama and we're going to have a little fun with action figures. So that's, that's Thursday night. And then you've got a new Foreign Bodies on Saturday, yes? Yes, and we're staying in the wonderful world of Canada. Play with some, some Canada. more more Canadian horror. All right, and that's at one p.m. Eastern on Saturday. So uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much, all of you in the chat, Mazers, Robert. Uh, thanks for being here. Oh, by the way, I should let you know we got a twenty dollars super chat today in the midst of live from the bunker today, hey. and uh, it was very a cool. very. It was a very gratifying comment that came with it. It was uh, someone basically reacting and responding. Let me see if I can pull this up here real quick because this is this is good to this is good to see. This is something that we don't see that often. Uh, this was from Brian. He says, "Thank you for your common sense viewpoints and thought-provoking content. Love you and all your hard work. Hardest working YouTube channel in sci-fi. If you ask me, rock on." So that came today during Live from the Bunker. So uh, very glad to have that. And, of course, anybody that ever wants to drop a Super Chat our way, you can. We also have the Subscribe Star account, and uh, you can donate over there. Or you can drop a tip in the tip jar over at PayPal. Uh, but, of course, it's strictly optional. Nobody has to do that. So uh, there is that. And we are working on We've got the mugs designed. Now we just got to figure out on the fulfillment side of things so we can start selling mugs. So that'll be fun. Okay, sir, thank you very much for being here and put up with My me. My pleasure. Oh, you know what? And I'd had this thought because, you know, we've sat here and talked to this, this whole time about titles right. and changing titles, the inspiration for titles and where titles come from. And... It's been rattling around in the back of my head the question of whether or not we should change the title of this show. Because we were being rather clever, I, I thought, when, when first naming the show the H2O Podcast, because, you know, H and H and the O's for opinion. It was, oh, hey, this is very sure, clever. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But um, the H2O Podcast makes it sound like we're talking about water. 
I think we're pretty much locked in at this point, having done 260 episodes. I don't think, I don't probably, think, probably so. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I wonder if we should change it. No, nah, that'd be too much trouble to think of something else. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's just this thing. It's like, yeah, I just, you know, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you have to think. So yes, that that's uh, that's what we're in for. So we're we're coasting toward 275 here pretty soon. So uh, we hope you stick around for that. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, have your notifications turned on. We will be back with more discussion on this show next week, and we actually have a plan. We have a topic, right? We do have a topic. Do we want to share what that topic is? We could. Do, do you do you remember what we decided? No. We're gonna... <laughs> uh, Next week we will be talking about bad movies that it's okay right. to like. So right, the bad movies we love, bad movies we love. So bring your lists, bring your friends. Oh God, yes, folks, come on, give us, give us, help us out with this because we've got our own favorites, oh. favorite uh, films we shouldn't be loving, but we do, but. Yep. Send us your list, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. Send your feedback, leave a comment, and we will do this again next week. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Good night. Good night. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 